This is episode 68 of Parenting with the Focused Mindset. Today, you get to listen in on a conversation that I had with Janaid Ahmed. Janaid is an accomplished entrepreneur in the tech space, as well as the host of the podcast Hacks and Hobbies. He is originally from Saudi Arabia and then migrated to the United States as a young man where he got married and started his family. You're going to hear Janaid speak about how much his family means to him and how important it is for him to be an example to his children. And we're going to talk about some of the issues related around being Muslim in America and what that's been like. We're going to break some of the stigmas and you are going to enjoy every moment of this conversation. But first, thank you for joining us today. I hope you come back each and every week as we share solution-focused, family-oriented content. And right now, take a minute to hit subscribe or download. It's absolutely free to do so. And that assures that this show will be in your library and you'll be notified each and every time we have a brand new episode. And you can always jump over to my website, thefocusedmindset.com, to learn about the Focused Mindset community. You've been upgraded to Parenting 2.0. New expectations requires a new mindset, the focused mindset. I'm Cher Kretz. I'm a school counselor and a family mindset coach. Raising kids is an amazing journey and things don't always turn out as planned. Still, you get to share your life with an adult in training. This podcast will help you meet every new challenge with confidence and be the best version of yourself in your home and with the people you love. Hello, welcome to the podcast. Today, we are going to welcome a wonderful father onto our uh, virtual stage, if you will. We've been talking to all of these different fathers all during June, and I'm so glad to have Janaid here. I was so excited that you said yes to come and be on my podcast because you're such a busy entrepreneur and you're a father of three and your fatherhood matters so much to you. And you know that I'm all about breaking the stigma of, father, of parenthood being about motherhood only. And I just wanted your voice to be able to come onto the podcast today and talk to us about your fatherhood journey. But first of all, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I'm super excited to be here, to be a guest. And I was excited when you asked, like, hey, Junaid, uh, I know you're a father. So a little bit about myself. I am. Uh, I was born in Karachi, Pakistan, and I grew up in Saudi Arabia. And I've been in the and then I grew up in Southern California, which is a lot different than growing up anywhere else in the world. How old were you when you made that move? Uh, I came out here in Cali when I was 19. I had finished my college. Sorry, I had finished my high school. I came out to Cali and uh, I started with the community college because I had no idea what college system was supposed to be. Probably smart and to do that. <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess that's a pretty smart move because you'd be spending uh, you know multiple thousand dollars when you're going to uh, for your college. Anyhow, um, I was always in interested in technology and I was always tinkering with tech. So 
a lot of lot of the things that I aspire for, inspire to do is all because I have affinity for technology. And um, what's what's really cool is now I'm able to teach my kids how to l- learn this technology, which I didn't have, did not have access to when I was younger. I think our very first television was a tube TV, and I don't even remember even remember watching because I was usually outside playing with friends and whatnot. But when I got to learn about technology around, I think our first computer we got when when I was about thirteen, and I just really delved right into it, especially watching my dad use a computer, and I was just so amazed by it. And now I'm able to teach people and teach, you know, other folks on how to use computer when I'm when I'm teaching how to use different different software, use it myself uh, to create applications and whatnot. It's just um, it's just really fun to do. And not only that, but you have a podcast, hacks and hobbies, and I think that's amazing. Of course, as fellow podcasters, we got to stick together, right? <laughs> What's that all about? What's your podcast Absolutely. all about? Yes, the podcast Hacks and Hobbies is a it has a really funny story where um, being involved with technology, not only with computers, growing up, playing with them, assembling them, and twinkering with them, and then all the different gadgets that come along the realm. So I would get really interested in anything that that was remotely close to tech, and what happened is a friend, uh, my, my colleagues would be like, Hey, what's your new hobby this week? <laughs> right. And I'm like, I'm just talking about this stuff because this is, this is cool stuff that I've learned about, you know, I'd follow Apple, I'd follow tech, tech blogs and whatnot. And then, so th- when they asked me that question and it just how so happened that I was just finishing up my beekeepers class. And I was like, Hey, I want to document this journey because that's the best way to get in front of anything at all, thanks to Gary Vaynerchuk. So I combined all my different hobbies into a podcast and talked about beekeeping, cycling, photography, videography, woodworking, all the different things that I was passionate about, even Kickstarter campaigns. Uh, that's where the, you know, that was the origin story for the Hacks and Hobbies podcast. I think that is such a fun idea. I mean, it podcast has become our entertainment, especially when pandemic hit and so many people left and right. What podcast are you listening to? And they just want to have fun with it. And that's what I love about your podcast is you get information, but it's just, you know, just, oh, what are we talking about today? You know, it's something, something neat that you can kind of wrap your mind around. And I'm glad yeah. you're doing that. But I noticed that uh, the more that we started work together business-wise that you include your kids. And like I mentioned, it just, it's so heartwarming to me because I feel as though for a long time and far too long, there's been a stigma wrapped around parenthood that might not be said, but it's definitely felt by many fathers that I talked to today, where it's mostly the mother's journey that's focused on. And, um, and I just want to take a minute to find out from you where, when you became a father, tell us about when you first became a father and what that was like for you and your journey wrapped around that. Uh, I love that question because 
when I first became father, I was in the cafeteria at the hospital. <laughs> so what happened is um, my wife's from Cali- uh, from Virginia and I'm from California. So I was actually in California when I was talking to my wife and she was like, oh, my water just broke. Oh, no. Like, oh, my God. I'm in California. What are we going to do? So immediately I picked up a ticket, got on the plane, and I got to to Virginia, 10 a.m. And so my wife was in, was, was at the hospital, she was in labor, and the baby still hadn't come. So I was like, okay, perfect, I made it in time, right? And as my wife's working through the labor, my mother-in-law's like, oh, why don't you go downstairs and grab something to eat? Because oh my you, know, goodness. you did this travel, <laughs> right? So I'm like, okay, sure. And I had no idea. Like, I didn't know how long it was going to take. It, 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 had already been, it had already been a few hours. I can't remember. And um, so I'm downstairs and then the baby comes and my wife's like, where's Junaid? Oh, no. Like, oh, I sent him downstairs to eat. <laughs> then I get a phone call and she's like, where are you? What's going Junaid, on? Junaid, get your butt up here. <laughs> I know. <laughs> So I run back upstairs and I get to see my baby. I'm like, oh my God. It's like, because for the, for the longest time, you're in the journey, you're, you're processing, okay, you know, my wife's going through this process, but it just still doesn't hit you because, you know, you, haven't, you don't have any context around it. Sure, my, my sister has had kids before, you know, and I've, I've, I've held them and whatnot, but when it's your own, you know, blood and sweat and, and you know, if you, when it's your own blood and your own kid, there's something inside your head that opens up like, oh, my God, I'm responsible for another human being. Wow. Did it hit you like a, a huge, like that burst of like bonding or was it more of the responsibility that was hitting you at that first moment? I think it was a combination it was a combination of all of those things, all of those feelings. And of course, the first week of um, my son was born, we had to go take him back because he had jaundice. So he had to be kept in, the, in this little drawer, this little glass. And then we were basically staying at, at the hospital for one week. Um, so it's kind of different. I'm like, I want to hold him. I want to, you know, cuddle him and all that thing. But he was like separate. So... It was a very different beginning, but over 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 the years, you know, I've 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 learned to you know spend more time with my kids because right now I have a three year old and I've been in her life like continuously for the past three years, and I find it they grow so fast. Yeah, it's just it's just amazing. Well, fast forwarding the tape, what does your family look like now? So we are, we have three kids, uh, the oldest one, what we just talked about, uh, he was, uh, he's 11, then I have a six-year-old boy, and then a three-year-old girl. So two boys, one girl. Oh my goodness. And uh, they, they, they get along together when they want to, <laughs> <laughs> right? And then at other times, there's, they're just competing with it against each other. And you're married. Yes, I'm married. How long have you been married? My wife. We've been married for 15 years. Wow. Uh, we'll have uh, our 15-year anniversary coming up in August this year. No way. What day? 
in August, August fourth. Really, Same I'm as... at the end. I'm at the end of August, August thirty first. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, we also um, we also have a President Obama. Date of birth is also the you know August fourth. So that's a oh my really goodness cool day to share. <laughs> so you better not ever forget. <laughs> I know. I, no, I'm good. I'm really good with with. You're dates, pretty good so. with dates. All yeah. right. Yeah, I like my dates. <laughs> so you mentioned I'm going to take. Okay, so here you are. You're from Pakistan. You came here at 19, and your wife is from Virginia. You said. Yes. How did that happen? So. She's also from Pakistan, but she was born in Virginia. Gotcha. Um, and there's family, there's family, um, like family friends, like f- far related. So yeah, that's one of the ways. Huh. So here, had you ever been to Virginia previous to that? You came from, I mean, this is like, that's like another world from California. That's nothing like us right here. It is. I, I think I visited uh, Virginia or, or D.C., before we were married, um, I was out here for some event, and then we we basically came out here with like all of, all of our cousins and whatnot. We just came out here to to hang out to for this one event, but that's the only you know closest to Virginia that I had been. Virginia, Life Virginia. is quite a journey, isn't it? It is. It it's is. just amazing, and like you said, time flies. I mean, now you're looking at an 11 year old. You know, he's just becoming a young man, and and six and even three. I mean, that's the threes are, whoa, they're, they're interesting. Three-year-olds are a little nuts. <laughs> very, very I always tell people, I don't know why they say terrible twos. I honestly <laughs> feel as though threes, kids are a little more challenging than two. I don't know. How do you, what do you think? I totally agree with you because they have a lot more mind made up. They're like, I want to serve myself. I want to eat my own food. I want to go use the restroom by myself. I want to change my own clothes, you know. Oh, yeah. Three-year-olds will go to bat. Hair. They'll go to bat for how they feel. They're like, nah, this yeah. is going down the way I want it to go down, right? Exactly. It's so, <laughs> it's so hard. But, you know, you also have to imagine, okay, where are they getting these ideas from? Because they're watching their parents being, being who they are. You know, that's how they're developing uh, their own personality. Yeah. Yeah, I think about that often because they are born with their own little DNA that's just going to blossom into what they're going to do. But at the same point, we know that we're an example. We know that the things that we do sh- helps to form how what they think is important in life, you know. And uh, what are some of the things that you feel like you've been able to do as an entrepreneur that helps your kids? Very good question. So one of the pieces that I focus on is being your own self person, learning the stuff, you know, from the ground up from, you know, learning the foundations of things, because when you have those foundations understood, you're a better entrepreneur, you're a better human being, because now you can guide people. Now you can tell people, hey, this is what I want. How can we help? And then also having access to people because that's gonna like like it it's funny and it's cliche to say no man's an island right and it's true it's it's true for everything because without without you and i having these conversations it wouldn't be a fun conversation and we all need somebody else to validate uh, our ideas to validate 
uh, our uh, our dreams as well, right? So I think that foundation building is super important and then being able to relate to other human beings and saying, hey, this is my idea. How can we move forward with it? Yeah, yeah. And I think that um, by including your children in the journey, it's going to make a really big difference. You know, you're not separating them from, you know, I mean, somewhat obviously, you can't have kids crawling all over you when you're doing an interview like this, but <laughs> just trying to bring them into the journey. And I find that that's something that um, some of the fathers that I speak with, uh, especially a lot of times when I speak to fathers, I mean, being that I'm a, a coach and a counselor, many times they're in a challenging time in their life. But the truth is, is that all of life has their challenges. Mm -hmm. Every minute that we're living on earth, there's going to be a challenge that pops up and um, and we're always growing into a version of ourselves that reacts to those things in a way that we can be proud yeah. and um, but they're coming to us usually at a, at a dip you know usually when I speak to them and I find that sometimes a father has trouble having a voice or they feel as though they need to separate their work from their home life and it's very hard to blend that the two have you ever had that same challenge occur and in your life? Um, I would like to say yes <laughs> all the time, right? Um, but then I've, I've learned over the past few years to make it all the same because okay. there's no point in separate because all of it is my personality, right? The hobbies, the fun times with the kids, the, the tech that I know about, going out, you know, being somebody with my, my wife and whatnot. So you want to be able to be the whole person oh, that yeah. everybody gets to, to experience. Yeah. And you want your child to see all of you and not yeah. just that side of you, that, that little corner part that, you know, shows up and then night, night time for bed or that kind exactly. of thing. Right. Yeah. 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 Yep. Well, I find that well, I find that um, another thing that interests me is just your journal journey culturally. I know that you're Muslim and you, you're brought up in a completely different country. How do you feel that has shaped you as you first were, you know, there in all of your formative years, clear until 19, mm -hmm. and then coming to America? What, what, how did that shape you and how do you feel and how, what you believe? So... When I mentioned earlier about the foundation, you know, my dad did a really good job in setting up a really good foundation in being who I'm supposed to be or who we are supposed to be. How is religion play a role in our life and our journey? So having that solid foundation, and that's what my dad mostly focused on. Plus, he was also very lenient on the areas of expertise that we wanted to go in. He didn't say, okay, no, you only have to, you can only be an engineer or you can only be a doctor. No, none of that was imposed, um, which was also, you know, it's not easy to impose those things when you have seven kids, right? So I'm the oldest. Oh, wow. You had, you had six other siblings? Yes. So I wow. have six other siblings, right? And so each one of us have our own ideologies, our own, I, you know, personalities that we want that we like to um, grow and whatnot so growing up in Saudi was 
very, I mean, it was very separated. So we had, we had, um, what you call it, uh, a segregated, segregated schooling system. Okay. So, you know, separate, separate for girls and separate for boys. Now, I don't remember if the school that I went to from grades one to grade five was a different one than the school that I went to from grade six and onwards. So one through five might've been co-ed. I cannot comment on that because I don't, my memory is not that good, but I do remember from six and onwards, I was in an all boys school. So that, then you have, you know, then all you know is the, what the boy's life is like basically, right? It, it makes it a lot easier in one way because you have a lot less distractions. You're able to focus on your studies or you're able to focus on, I don't know. I mean, I might be biased, but when I came- It worked for you. It worked for me, exactly. And that's the only type of world that I knew. So when I came out to the US, um, I was very fortunate to have a ton of family around, a ton of cousins around. So that helped me not feel alienated, not feel alone. Um, I lived with my cousins and my aunt, and I <clears throat> was very close to my uncles. I have so not only being the oldest of seven siblings, my mom is one of nine siblings. So oh all of my, my uncles, goodness, are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm not kidding. So all of my uncles and their kids, right? They were all in California. So I had a ton of family to support, ton of family to go around. So that definitely helped with the transition for yeah, sure. It helped so much because now I didn't have to think, you know, about where to go, who to hang out with. So I didn't have a lot of friends in that respect, but I had a lot of family, a lot of support from that respective perspective. Well, I'm just thinking now, here you are, your kids. I mean, have they even been able to go visit um, where you grew up or anything like that? I'm kind of wrapping my mind around the fact that your entire childhood is in a place it's not that easy, especially now, to travel there. So have they been back? And Yes. So my wife traveled back with my oldest son, uh, when, I think when he was four years old. And um, they visited Pakistan and they visited the, the home that I grew up in. But I have not been back to Pakistan since I left in, I think the last time I went there was 1993. Wow. That is so interesting to me because, I mean, I grew up in Seattle and that is, uh, you know, just up the coast. So I've had the opportunity of saying, oh, there's the house that I grew up in and, you know, things like that. And, um, and that's just, you guys don't really have that same uh, it's not just a hop, skip, and a jump. <laughs> it's right, a little but, bit bigger situation. Well, well, thanks to technology, I was able to find our home on Google Maps. Oh, that's like, perfect. Hey, <laughs> hey, this is where I grew up. And then I would do the same thing for in Saudi Arabia. So you can bring that into your child's life. Just, you know, thanks to yeah. our wonderful technology. <laughs> right back to technology. Right. Back to reality going, you know, going through... Um, Google streets and whatnot. It's pretty, yeah. pretty amazing. <laughs> well, I ha know that um, you've been through, you've been here long enough to where you've watched a lot of our cultural change happen here in the United States. And all of the, 
oh, you could just say the unrest that happens with cultural differences and the clashes in that. And I thought it would be interesting to really hear from you, not only from your perspective, but from your heart on this issue. Um, I was a school counselor. Um, actually, no, I was a teacher back um, when 9-11 hit. Mm-hmm. The, everything went a little uh, a little haywire as far as people and their feelings and the way that they were treating others and the way they treated almost anybody that was of any Indian descent changed in a blink of an eye. And, um, and I remember that vividly as a teacher. Um, what are some of your memories from that and how did that affect you? You know, um, like I said, mentioned earlier, I was very fortunate to have a ton of family around and um, when the news hit, my, my aunt was actually living in Chicago at the time. And um, I was driving to work in California. I think I was driving to Bria, uh, Bria California. And yeah. my aunt calls and she's like, did you see what happened? I was like, no, I'm driving to work. So I get to work and we had this TV over there and we turn it on and we saw... The towers. The towers, right? Yeah. We saw the towers, the plane crashing and all that. And I'm like, oh my God, this is insane. There's only three people at work. This is a small company. And we're like, oh my God, this is really insane what's going on. And I think while I was at the office, the second or the third plane, I can't remember which one, but you know, another one hit. Like this was just insane. And now cool thing about California is very diverse. Yeah, we are very fortunate. Yeah, very fortunate for that. So I like did not have to face any of the things that we heard about on the TV or about on the news that people are getting harassed, people are getting, you know, kicked around or, or, you know, yelled at or whatever. I was pretty lucky to not have experienced that first firsthand. Well, you know, it's like the reason why I'm so intrigued by that, uh, that journey, it reminds me a whole lot of many of the people of what they're going through today, if they happen to be Asian. And today in our world, you know, you see stickers, you know, on our social media, stop Asian hate. But the reality is, is that I had, you know, here I am in California, very diverse place. And I had my friend that I work with come in and I just asked, you know, how are you doing? She said, actually, I've been a little scared of because of how everyone keeps talking about, you know, the Asians and Asian hate and things like that. Now, technology has changed a lot since 9-11. So I think that brings a new element into it because back in those days, we weren't online like this all the time. And the only thing that affected us was our little circle, you know, more or less, or what we saw on television, right? But, um, but she's a, she was affected and I had to stop and think, I was like, you know, when you hear these things being said and people are clumping you in with, uh, something that you are not, it, it's a very, it must be very odd. And I'm, I, I only can empathize, but I can also say that I've watched people walk through that journey and yeah, you were very fortunate that you didn't have someone firsthand approaching you. But, um, but just being Muslim in America today, how do you approach your world so you do have confidence and that you bring that confidence into your children's life? That's an excellent question. Now, because of, because of COVID, 
because of uh, all the lockdowns, um, our mosques being shut down and all public gatherings being shut down, you know, that's something that we're not able to practice. We're not able to go to church. We're not able to go to mosques. We're not able to go to synagogues and practice those things. So we were like, all right, it's okay that we're not able to do that. We can still practice at home. We can have congregation, you know, we can sit together and learn about the religion, practice our prayers. So that's something that we're teaching our kids, you know, firsthand. And what's, what's really cool is that, um, children learn, learn the most from their parents. And in one way or another, we were like, you know, this is actually kind of a blessing in disguise. Because one thing as Muslims, you know, you don't know what kids are talking about on the bus, especially for an 11 year old, right? He's almost, you know, he's, there's kids, teenagers, because we, we limit the talk about, uh, like it's not allowed for Muslims to, you know, what's that word? What what is that? Word? Even going, like have relations or have girlfriends or boys right. friends and stuff. Like you know, we don't. It's not. You're not gonna have a little. You're not gonna come home and say I have a girlfriend. No, it's not gonna exactly. work out that way. <laughs> yeah, it's not gonna work that way, right? So, <laughs> it's kind of like okay, we have a little bit of a control, but again, since both my wife and I are working full time. You know, we want to be in the space where we can spend more time with the kids. Right. Because they're still virtually learning. They still yeah. have access to technologies. They're still texting and typing and whatnot. Mm-hmm. What's happening in those rooms? What conversations are going on? We don't have control over that. So having that foundation solid is very important. And one of the things that we did um, with my kid was we're going to put you into Cub Scouts. So for the past five, six years, He's been a Cub Scout, and now he's a Boy Scout. And there's a lot of really nice, you know, positive moral things that they yes. teach you yeah. as a Boy Scout. That's actually a really great thing to touch on is that I think people sometimes, if they begin to be overwhelmed, they need to look at the things that are around them that can help them out with that. I mean, Boy Scouts is wonderful. It's like, yeah, you know, you might need to look it up, bring them there and things like that. But that's filling in some of those gaps in the times when you can't, you know? Yeah. I it's hope really, I, it's really hard. Yeah. Cause I hope that more parents do those kind of things because I feel like um, it can be very challenging. I've seen kids, many kids, I mean, you know, the area that I, I live in. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, that we're very diverse and, yeah. um, and I've seen many kids come in and they're like, you know, don't tell my parents, but I'm really struggling you know, with this or that, because of the very issue that you said, there's, I don't know, would you even, do you even call it now westernized thinking or what would you call it that if people, they're being kind of like inundated by the type, the things that maybe wouldn't be exactly how you were hoping? That's a, that's a really, I don't, I don't remember what you call it, but it's something it's real, yeah. you know, cause they come it's, into my office and they say, I'm struggling and what am I going to do? You know, or they might be inside kind of upset that other people aren't respecting their wishes mm-hmm. of, you know, what, how they were raised. And both of them are very difficult. I feel for, um, for confident Muslim fa- Muslim families that are raising their children in the way that they see fit. And then they, go to school. And I'm only talking about this because of what I'm now my mind's thinking about this, you know, yeah. they go to school and they're confronted with a completely different perspective. 
and then they're made to figure that out, you know, yeah. and it's, it's, it's a really lot. Different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, that's a good point. And, and, you know, it all comes back to the parents' responsibility on the, the foundation, the, the moral compass that they set for their children. And I feel that sometimes I'm failing my own kids because, you know, you know, I'm, I feel like that I'm constantly telling them not to do this, not to do that, not to do this. Right. Yeah. Because it's how we all feel. Let me tell you, that's, that's that right? is the because, journey of parenting. Yeah. So it, it's really interesting and it's, it's definitely our responsibility, but not all the times can we take that responsibility and be so uptight. We have to let go of the reins and count on the education or the foundation that we've set in set up in our children yeah. is enough for them to be their own person. It's difficult because um, I have very few opportunities in my life that I can, you know, I, it's usually very surface when, you know, even when we're doing business and we're doing our things, it's very surface. And I don't, there's no way that I can know what I don't know. And as a counselor, I am very fortunate to be able to have many people that come to me and talk to me about their life or the things that they're involved in. And yes, it helps me to understand, but there's lots of parents out there that don't understand mm -hmm. and they don't understand where, um, you know, how, how does this Muslim that you mean Muslims is more than just, you know, they attach it to maybe a terrorist or, you know, and it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's, a, I just want to talk frankly. I mean, out of all the listeners in the United States, I feel as though you have kind of an opportunity to share with them some of your heart of, of family values and the type mm -hmm. of things that you share, because I know that I very much respect your family values. And I feel like that would be a really important thing for us to hear. What are some of the things that you think are misunderstood and, and how do you approach parenting in the framework of your beliefs? Wow. That's a, that's a very strong. Or just end. whatever you want to talk right. about. So, Arena. Right, I'm throwing right, a big okay. stuff at you, but. Right. Right. <laughs> so um, the number one, so this, some of these things, some of these thoughts have been going in through my head and, because first of all, it's the month of Ramadan. So we've been doing a lot of, you know, a lot more prayers and a lot more reading of this, of the Quran and the translations. And I was just remembering how, you know, the Muslim woman, you know, they wore the hijab and they covered themselves and that's seen as oppressed, which is really funny because it's not. And to go back into history the very first Muslim was actually a woman. That was the prophet's you know, the prophet's wife, because he came to her and told her this came down and this is what happened. Now, there's two specific uh, chapters in the Quran that talk about it because what had happened is, um, and I don't know, you tell me if I'm going too deep into this or not, but but the story was, you know, he was uh, met with. Angel Gabriel, and Angel Gabriel opened up his heart, and then took out all the all the bad stuff, whatever was in there, and then you know basically cleansed it, and then he told him to read. Now, mind you, Prophet Muhammad was not a scholar; he did not study. He was a 
sheep herder, right? He grew up uh, in that environment. So to him be telling any words to anybody and them knowing that he's a truthful person, you know, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty insane. But anyways, when, when that happened to him, he came running back to his wife and he's like, cover me, cover me. I'm feeling shivers and I'm really cold. And this is what happened. So she was the first person to accept Islam and, and the, the unity of God and everything. Mm. So now that people claiming that, you know, women are oppressed and whatnot, I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah. They that's a huge misreception. Yeah. It's a huge, I think that that is something that the moment that someone sees that someone's quote unquote covered, yeah. they assume they're covered because they're being oppressed. Yeah. And, and if you look at the nuns, yeah, they are covered the same way. So how do, how does your, your wife or the, and I'm assuming, does your wife um, follow that same tradition? Yeah, she does. And how does she approach, how does she feel about it? And how does she approach that with your daughter? Well, my daughter is very young. I know. Well, when, how she, how she, not at but three, she would but you know. It, you know, yeah. because um, there's a huge, huge, what's that word? It's all, it all comes down to the why, like why is a woman covered? If you look at the Western society, there's so much uh, advertisement, so much, uh, I, I can't remember the word of it, but there's so much deviation from what's true. Like it's, it's an invitation to harassment. It's an invitation to blah, 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 right? So you think about that and then you say, you know, this shouldn't happen, equality, blah, blah, blah. Well, the problem is the humans we are we are flawed beings all right so if there's any way to constrain that's an understatement (laughs) (laughs) that's the biggest understatement in the whole wide world right there (laughs) (laughs) so it was uh you know if there's a way to constraint have constraints along around something then it's important to take that and be like okay this is going to help us not astray from the straight path. So that's what she was taught. But I guess what I'm getting to is Mm -hmm. what does a woman in a family such as yours, in your opinion, feel if they're not feeling oppressed? What is the other side of that that we're not seeing? Oh, they're feeling liberated because they don't have to worry about things. They're like, you know, I'm, I'm free to do whatever that I please to do. So because that, that's such a, a mind blowing thing for so many of us walking around here thinking, wait a minute, you're actually trying to tell me that because of how they were raised and how they believe that it's actually a liberating feeling and other people are looking at them as if that's an oppressive thing. Doesn't, I mean, that just blows my mind when you really wrap your mind around it. Yeah, absolutely. It's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, and also the fact that um, that in order to keep those cultural things vibrant and alive, um, is it simply as easy as you having all the family around? Like, like I, f- I kind of feel like the way that you're talking about it is that you've surrounded yourself with such strong family that that carries you through a lot of the challenges 
that you might face otherwise. Is that kind of the, what, what you're envisioning as far as Absolutely. any? Absolutely. Yeah. Cause having a multi-generation family around you builds that confidence. Everybody's, you know, everybody's a cheerleader for you and you're basically not alone anymore. Yeah. You can do whatever you put your mind to. Uh, so that's the, that's the power of, of number one, having multi-generation family around, you know, uh, Right now, I'm not living in that situation because I was, you know, in California, my my mom, my mother, my grandmother, you know, my dad, you know, we all lived in the same house. But having that structure really builds you up for success. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's all just very interesting to me because of the fact that um, people are so quick to make assumptions. You know, people are so quick. And like you said, it comes back to us being flawed. It's part of my call and hopefully part of many people's call to expand their own vision so they can look at things differently, you know, and allow themselves to say, what do I need to learn about this person and their family? You know, what would you say to someone that walks by and has that judgment? What would you say to them? What would be your uh, wish that you could stop and say, wait a minute, this is what, this is how you should approach our, you know, uh, learning about who I am. Well, here's, here's what's, um, imp- what's interesting what you mentioned, right? How do you approach something like that? Well, number one, it's easy to make the judgment. You make the judgment, you move on it's harder to learn about something and there has to be a why involved. Like, why do I need to learn something? It's not affecting me. Well, when it does affect, start affecting you, when it does start showing up more, then you need to do it right by you, you know, do the study, learn about why or who the people are or why they do the things they do. And, What's funny is that we live in a time where all of this information is freely available. Technology. Technology. You just ask Google, you ask Siri, you ask your, you know, smart assistant and ask them, hey, why do these people do this thing? There's a huge number of people putting content together in Wikipedia. So, Yes, information is readily available. Just be curious, right? I mean, we we need to turn our level of curiosity up, um, not only for us as individuals, but for the next generation. You know, you're sitting raising your little guys, and we're raising them into a world that we know is flawed as well. And we know that that's the the world that we live in. But um, gosh, I mean, just it's just speaking into their lives and being the best person we can be in order to help them be the best person they can be. You know, it goes back to what you said at the beginning. We're models for them. They're watching us, you know. I wish more people, and I hope more people, like the people listening to this podcast, can do just that and be curious about others rather than blocking themselves off and thinking what they've always thought because what's going to happen will come together. We'll realize that, oh, you know what? Business and kids can come together and we can know all of ourselves. We can approach all of who we are in a much more authentic way. 
And, um, and that's kind of what I see in you and so many families that I know. I just don't, I can't walk around asking everyone to be on my podcast, right? (laughs) (laughs) So, so you get to be that person. I was like, you know what? I'm asking him to come on and talk to me here (laughs) about all this stuff that happens. Uh, I really, really appreciate it. Uh, I've got somebody coming over a little later. I don't know how soon, but I'm getting my bees today. Oh, you are? Oh, my gosh. Are you, you're going to have to take some pictures because all I do is hear about these bees. You're going to have to share it. <laughs> I'll definitely be sharing photos and, and videos around it. Like, because you literally like, what is this beekeeping thing? <laughs> Just tell me real quick. <laughs> So beekeeping, uh, as when you become a beekeeper, you get to keep uh, a few hives in your yard. Wow. When you have hives in your yard. You That would freak me out. If I was it your would. wife, I'd be like, what the world are we doing she here? Does, she doesn't go close to them as oh, much no, as you Oh, no, I wouldn't do. either. Um, but then you get fresh local honey that these oh, bees collect gosh. from the pollen, the nectar from the flowers around us. Um, and that the reason I stepped into it again it was curiosity. I got curious. Right. I was told by the allergist for my oldest son that local honey is going to help with the seasonal allergies. Wow. So like, okay, how can I get some local honey? Well, I could have just gone and bought some local honey, but no, I had to go much deeper. You're going all out. <laughs> I went all in, you know, got, my be- got myself some bees. And now you have bees being delivered to you later today. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Does your son help you with this? Yes. So I did get suit for my, my no kids, uh, my 11-year-old oh. and my uh, six-year-old. And six-year-old? So they'll put on the suit and they'll come out here, come out there. And um, I need to get one for my, my daughter now. Oh, oh, I don't know. I don't know how old they need to be before that's a great idea. But <laughs> <laughs> I can see that being a disaster. Three, like we talked about, three. <laughs> well, bees are actually very gentle. Really? Beings, as long as you don't bug them, they don't. See? Now, see them. my perception? <laughs> I, I'm thinking these crazy bees are going to, you know, straight up destroy your, your like, all over your suit. Like, this is what I'm picturing. That's not what it's like. <laughs> it's not. Not at all. Not at wow. All, all right. Really I've expanded my and, mind right now. And if they, so if a, if a honeybee attacks with its stinger, they're actually doing a, it's, it's a suicide for them. Right. That's, yeah. Now that part yeah. I didn't know. So they, they're not just about, yeah. I mean, do you feel like you kind of like know bees now that you've been through this process almost like, like you get I it? Feel, I do feel like it, you know, I've been doing this for about three years. Oh my goodness. Um, last winter wasn't good for the bees, so they didn't make it. So now I'm getting some news, new ones delivered and um, yeah. Yep. You got to get going. I got to get going. This has been a great conversation. Really. Thank you for coming on and talking about fatherhood, talking about your life. Oh, there's one now. There's the six. (laughs) I'm coming. I'm coming up. There's your three-year-old. Wow. She's a big girl. And your six-year-old blanket in here. Oh, thank you so much. Can you guys say hello? And they say hello to the audience. Hi. What? Cheryl. They're beautiful. They're so beautiful. You know what? That's what it's all about. The next generation is what it's all about. And it's the reason I do what I do because anything that we can do to help these kiddos grow up to be the best they can be, it's all makes it worth it, doesn't it? It's 100%. all worth it. 
Yeah. Well, have fun with your bees. Have fun with your day. Thank you so much for taking some time out to be with us. And this wraps up our series about fatherhood. It certainly isn't going to be the end of our conversation about the important role that you fathers play in the lives of your kids. Little known fact, I did invite my husband to come talk about fatherhood as well, but he was a little bit too shy. Maybe next year we'll get him to come on and talk about raising girls. I'd like you guys to hop over to my website, thefocusedmindset.com and check the show notes. I'm gonna leave a special link for you at thefocusedmindset.com slash journal where I'm giving away a free journal. I know it's actually July 1st, but this is part of our June series. We're moving into uh, our hot summer days. And for me, I'm going to be in Vegas where it's gonna be super hot and I'm gonna be speaking at the National Schools Conference for ASCA. And, um, and so we're going to be talking a lot about supporting kids in the next few weeks. And I'm glad that you'll be able to join us. And until next time, keep in touch and take care.